During that meditation, my cat was snoring. He sounds like a small bear cub, <laughs> which is funny sometimes. <laughs> I find it adorable. All right. So as I was saying before, uh, we're going to do things a little bit different today. I wanted to start with the Dharma talk so we can have some context for some gratitude practice and some generosity practice. And I had the idea for talking about this. Well, first of all, I li- <laughs> You all know that I love to talk about this at the end of the month, at the beginning of the month. Anytime there's some artificial transition in life, I think it's a great opportunity to be grateful, to remind ourselves of what's going well, talk about generosity. So the end of the year, as you can imagine, is like journaling central for me. I'm doing a lot of reflection on the year, thinking about the future, 2021, how I can bring Dharma into my life. And uh, this is my way of encouraging you to do the same. But the real impetus for this talk was a bunch of memes I've been seeing. Uh, I don't do a lot of social media, media media-ing, but, um, and I'm sure you've seen some of these in a variety of locations, but, you know, there's just a bunch of memes about kind of putting 2020 to bed in a variety of ways, you know, like just burying it as quickly as possible and like looking to the future and hoping that 2021 is going to be less traumatic. And, and I totally, I mean... God bless. I mean, I totally resonate with that. This I was just thinking today how long this year has seemed. It just seems like the longest year of my life. Uh, I can't believe there's still two more weeks. It just feels like it's been an 18-month year. Uh, but I was seeing these memes, and as much as I resonated with them, the Dharma practitioner in me found this to be interesting because the the images that we're seeing about 2020 have to do with let's just like end it and hope that there'll be better-ness on the other side, right? That there'll be goodness beyond it. If we could just end the year. So there's aversion, right? There's the pushing away of the memory and the stress and the strife and the tumult that's happened in 2020. So there's this aversion there. And then there's this craving and this grasping that I know I've got a significant amount of. This craving and grasping for the next year to be better, Right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But as Dharma folks, as you know, we take suffering as an opportunity for awakening. We take this type of situation and we remind ourselves that pandemics happen, economies go left, go right. There's challenges with medical and employment and all kinds of things. And as much as we want that to end, as Dharma practitioners around here, we have to remind ourselves of the first noble truth, which is that suffering is a doorway to awakening. So I wanted to take this opportunity to really look at gratitude, because oftentimes we forget that gratitude practice goes right alongside the suffering in our life. We don't just do the gratitude practice when we're in a really good space, right? We do gratitude practice to remind ourselves of the goodness that walks alongside suffering. Because suffering tends to close the heart down and close the mind down, and we don't look for the goodness. And so we try to push the good, uh, push the suffering away. So this is a reminder that despite the ills of 2020, there has been goodness for each of each and every one of us. There has been something worth celebrating, worth honoring, and stuff like that. So um, that's why I wanted to do this tonight, was to just remind ourselves of generosity and gratitude. And I'm going to talk a little bit about how it works in the Dharma, because I think it's a really good perspective. I was looking up uh, 
generosity and gratitude the other day and I pulled out like four or five Dharma books and uh, I wanted to see, I went in the index of the books and I wanted to see how much of the texts were about gratitude and generosity and what kind of stuff they said about it. And what I, what I didn't find in the books that I was looking up was I didn't find much discussion at all about the relationship between generosity and gratitude, which in my teachings tends to be a, a really big focus. I really think it's important to understand the relationship between generosity and gratitude. So I'm going to focus on that tonight. The other thing I noticed is that there's a lot more in the Dharma explicitly uh, on generosity than there is on gratitude practice, which is, which is another thing I thought was interesting. And so I'm going to talk about that as well, because what's, what we miss sometimes is that in order for us to feel generous, in order for us to have an openness, a sense of kindness, and a willingness to share whatever goodness there is in our life with others, we must first be appreciative of what we have. If we don't start with gratitude, generosity tends to fall short. It's hard to be generous when we don't have a sense of gratitude. So gratitude is actually the soil or the seeds out of which generosity springs. So I wanted to clarify that tonight uh, before we do some meditation. The first thing I wanted to talk about was generosity is such a big topic in, in Buddhism, right? And I wanted to point out the various ways that we talk about generosity in the Dharma, because sometimes I feel like we think that generosity is like kind of icing on the cake. We do insight practice, we do jhana practice, we do body scanning, we do, we do loving kindness, and then we might do some gratitude practice or some generosity practice. But actually, the Buddha saw generosity as the foundation of the path, a commitment and a vow, if you will, to be other-oriented, right? To let go of the I, me, mine, and to look at this experience of living as us and we, and how can I serve? So there's this extroverted energy in the Dharma that the Buddha thought was foundation for the path. So our commitment, if you will, to insight meditation implies that we're going to make an effort to be kind and generous human beings, and that our attitudinal orientation to our mindfulness practice is going to be one of generosity, giving to ourselves the care and love we need so we can show up to care and serve for others. There is um, several parts in the Pali Suttas where the Buddha lays out the path in a progressive format where he says, this is step one, this is step two, this is step three. Every time the Buddha talks of the path in a progressive way, generosity is the first step. It's the cornerstone of spiritual practice. And so I always find that to be interesting because I forget that myself, that generosity is the cornerstone upon which this whole Eightfold Path is built. Now, another thing to remember, and this is easy to forget because we're not monastics, is that the Dharma thrived and grew and lived and was cared for in a culture of generosity. So the monastics had a symbiotic relationship with the lay folks, right? So this, the monastics, they bring the teachings to the community. That is their gift, right? They, in their generosity, offer the teachings 
And then the lay folk give them food and medical care and cloth for robes and thread to sew. So when you look back to the Dharma, the heart of the Sangha was a symbiotic relationship built on openness and gratitude and connectivity. So there was this idea that there was gratitude followed by generosity and generosity followed by gratitude. And that's what bound the spiritual friendships of the practitioners and bound the spiritual friendships of the teachers and the students and the students among themselves. We don't see that as much because we don't have a monastic tradition. We're in a lay tradition. So we forget sometimes that the Dharma was carried down through an energy of giving, giving and receiving, generously giving the Dharma for free and then offering food and sustenance to the monks so that they can continue their practice. So there's a symbiotic relationship of generosity and gratitude that exists at the heart of this 2000 plus year history of the Dharma. So when we sit here in this room, so to speak, we are the bearers and the inheritors of thousands of years of people generously giving these teachings, being so grateful for the teachings that they continue to support them so that thousands of years later, here we are in this Zoom call, still able to talk about the teachings, practice the teachings, and we can, in our sense of generosity and gratitude, share what we learn from the Dharma with each other and with others. So I really, as I've said in other Dharma talks, I'm a very big fan of the power of lineage and the fact that the Dharma is this gift that has been passed down for thousands of years from teacher to student and teacher to student over and over again. And it's been given as a gift. It's an offering of generosity. Another place we see generosity in the Dharma, the Buddha talks about 10 qualities or 10 perfections. They're called the Parmis or Paramitas. These 10 perfections, as they're called, that students cultivate towards awakening. Or you could say it's the qualities of the consciousness of an enlightened being or the qualities needed to become awake. But there's these 10 qualities, and one of the big qualities is generosity. And I'll tell you what the other ones are because I think it's a really interesting list. But generosity is one of the 10 perfections, so it's significant in our practice. The other um, parmis are morality, renunciation, makes sense, right? Wisdom, diligence, patience, truthfulness, Resolve, loving kindness, and equanimity. So these are the siblings of generosity. Morality, renunciation, wisdom, diligence, patience, truthfulness, resolve, loving kindness, and equanimity. So generosity is one of the qualities that we cultivate as we move towards awakening. It is the foundation of spiritual relationships, and it is the cornerstone of our commitment to the goodness that we are trying to extract out of these oftentimes very challenging practices. Another thing about generosity, which is often overlooked, I know I've overlooked it in this way, is that we're very familiar with loving kindness and we're relatively familiar as meditators with renunciation or letting go. What we forget sometimes is that when we practice generosity, we are in fact also engaging in loving kindness and letting go. Right? To be generous is to be both loving and non-attached. So in practicing generosity as a meditator, 
we're also simultaneously getting some points for loving kindness and some practice with our letting go of letting go of our clinging and craving the I making and my making that's associated with trying to own goodness, which I'll talk about in a bit, trying to own experience rather than sharing experience. Another place we see generosity. We've talked about this uh, a few weeks ago, actually, when we spoke about unworldly feelings. In the hierarchy of happiness that the Buddha talks about, one of the higher forms of happiness is the joy that comes from giving, the joy that comes from generosity. So again, we see that it plays a major role in the type of happiness we're trying to cultivate as meditators. So as we advance in practice, we let go more, we seek higher aspirations of happiness that's blameless, that's long-term and sustaining, that's satiating. And one way we do that is we begin to orient our hearts towards the joy that comes from spiritual practice itself, which includes, of course, generosity. So you begin to see that generosity is woven throughout the entire Dharma, from the foundations of the monastic community to the carrying down of the Dharma for thousands of years. And every time we try to engage in loving kindness or equanimity or renunciation, again, we are practicing this spirit and invoking and embodying this incredible parmi, this perfection of generosity. One last thing I wanted to say about generosity before talking about gratitude and the way they relate is that when we practice generosity and when we practice it with mindfulness, it can give us incredible wisdom about the nature of causality, of karma. And what it really does, when we give with mindfulness, we begin to see how generosity opens the heart. We can see how other people are impacted by our generosity. And we can begin to see how generosity is the foundation of gratitude. We all have those moments, and uh, I will be the first to admit, there's those moments where you don't feel very generous. Your heart is contracted. You feel kind of closed off. You're not in a good psychic space, so to speak. And you just don't have it in you to be kind in that moment. And with mindfulness, you can see and feel that contraction. And then when you intend to practice generosity, you can feel that opening of the heart. You can feel the spaciousness. You can feel the change in the clinging that happens. And so generosity is a way of exploring the nature of the self. It's a way of exploring how happiness can arrive from openness, arise from openness, or happiness can arise when we let go of greed, or as the Buddha says, stinginess, where there's that contraction of the heart. So generosity is not simply a cultivation of letting go. It's not simply a cultivation of loving kindness. It's also a practice of wisdom. It allows us to understand the nature of happiness and suffering and what it's like to authentically connect with another human being in the graciousness of giving, right? That graciousness of offering, it doesn't have to be material offering. It could be the offering of um, patience. It can be the offering of listening openly. It can be the offering of honesty and authenticity, right? It could be sitting silently with someone who feels lonely, right? All of that is generosity. And if done with mindfulness, we can really see how generosity is the cornerstone of contentment. 
And to just bring this back around to modern science, there are these really interesting studies that show that people who report being very content tend to be very generous and very grateful. And conversely, that people who don't have a strong sense of feeling grateful or appreciative in their lives have a hard time being generous. And there's a correlation between the two, which is why in the Dharma we see these things interconnected in our mindfulness practice and why it's a cornerstone of the Dharma, which is about, of course, long-term happiness and well-being. So generosity, an openness, a selflessness, a kindness, and a giving of oneself. This is the attitude and spirit of the Dharma. Now, it's challenging to be generous if we don't cultivate gratitude. So I wanted to talk about gratitude a little bit so you can see the connectedness. Because this was a big insight for me in my practice. Because I think coming out of a person who uh, was recovering from trauma, I did not feel very generous. I was very closed off. I was very protective, not very trusting of people. Things I still have to work on to this day. But at the time, early on in my healing process, I did not feel very giving. And I noticed that as the healing took place and I started to really appreciate my life and the people in my life and the blessings of my life, suddenly there was this sense of wanting to serve. Suddenly there was a sense of wanting to share. And I became much more outward oriented. Where before when I was hurting and in pain and my heart was contracted, I had a hard time being both grateful and generous. So I've seen this in my own heart and mind, the connection between the two. Jack, Jack Hornfield has one of my favorite quotes about uh, gratitude. This is a quote from Jack. I, I just think this quote is great. So this is what he says about gratitude. Gratitude is a gracious acknowledgement of all that sustains us, a bow to our blessings, great and small. Gratitude is a gracious acknowledgement of all that sustains us, a bow to our blessings, great and small. I love that idea of bowing to our blessings. That, that's great. A bow to our blessings. This is gratitude. In the Dharma, I'm sure most of you have heard of this concept or attitude of precious human birth. In the Dharma, our gratitude practice begins by acknowledging that all of the goodness in our life, all of it, capital A, capital L, capital L, all of the goodness in our life occurs because of a gratitude, I'm sorry, a acknowledgement of the fact that we've been born human, that we have this ability to even contemplate gratitude and generosity and loving kindness, that this human birth has given us a particular type of consciousness that allows us to self-reflect and to get joy out of self-reflection and connect deeply with other human beings in a celebration of our mutual humanity. And so our biggest blessing in the Dharma is birth itself. The fact that we're here, we're living, we're together, we're interconnected, and that we can grow and develop and love and care for each other and delight together in the experience of what it is to be human. So in the Dharma, we start way back with our gratitude and we acknowledge the fact that there is a blessing in this human birth and that there is a blessing in life itself. 
This is where the real spiritual uh, rubber meets the road, so to speak. In that sense, we honor not only the goodness of existence, we then honor all of the interconnected goodness that occurs in our life. And I'll go into this a little bit more specifically in a bit, but we honor the goodness that occurs between us as people, right? This gratitude and generosity cycle, this goodness that I can offer you, which allows an opportunity for gratitude, and then the generosity comes back towards me, and then I have an opportunity for gratitude. And that goodness that exists between us as human beings is celebrated with a sense of gratitude. That we can be good to each other is a huge blessing. Gratitude supports and encourages generosity. This is one of the things that's really important about gratitude. Gratitude encourages and supports generosity. The Buddha says that gratitude awakens joy. Gratitude awakens joy. We all know what it's like to suddenly feel appreciative for something, right? To really have a sense of, oh, wow, I am so glad that this moment is happening. I am so glad that this person is in my life. Or I am so glad that this is happening or has happened or something's on the horizon for myself. We know what that sense is, that optimism and that hope that comes from really appreciating a circumstance. This joy that arises from feeling grateful, that energy, when practiced with mindfulness, will expand with a desire to share it with others. So as we learn to consciously reflect on the goodness in our life, if we do it with mindfulness, you will find that there becomes this outward energy that begins to pull at the heartstrings. We begin to want to serve others, whether it be complimenting, acknowledging, just being with other folks, right? In community, in care. So there's this idea that the Buddha has that as we learn to be gr grateful, as we cultivate gratitude, it creates this energy of joy that we want to share. We want it to go outward towards others. We don't covet it. If it's done with mindfulness, there's this natural energy that we want to share it and connect with others around that sense of joy. You can think about it this way, and I, I may have mentioned this earlier. When, when the human heart is in pain, when the mind or the heart or the body is suffering, and when we're in pain, we tend to contract to get ourselves well or protect ourselves. So you know what it's like, like let's say you have the flu, right? For lack of a better example, let's say you have the flu, you've got a fever, you've got a really bad cold, you're not feeling very well. In that moment, how much are you desiring to help other people, be around other people, care for other people? When, we're in, when we have suffering, the energy is not outward. The energy becomes inward, right? We wanna care for ourselves, we wanna kind of push people away. We sort of hibernate in the heart. When there's less pain, we're more likely to extend kindness, to be more patient, right? How many of us are really patient when we're feeling really ill, right? Or we're in pain, or you have a really bad headache. How patient are you, you know, with your partner, with your kids when you're having a really bad day? So when we have a lot of pain, when there's a lot of dukkha, the heart contracts and there's, a less, there's less of a tendency towards gratitude and there's less of a tendency towards being generous. We, we go inward. 
when there's a lot of suffering that's going on, it's so important to remember that there's also goodness. So this ties around to what I was saying about 2020. We can spend a lot of time listing off the bad things that happened in 2020, but we should also make sure before the year ends that we spend some time in significant contemplation about what we're grateful for. Reminding ourselves that there was still goodness in this last year, in spite of the fires, in spite of the elections, in spite of the hospitalizations and the social distancing, there were things that happened that we can be grateful for, right? Good qualities were evoked during this time, right? We were able to, to show patience to people and love to people and care, right? We listened, we showed up, we did the best we could, we showed resilience. There's a lot of things we can be grateful for right alongside acknowledging the dukkha. But acknowledging with gratitude the things that were good gives us an energy that helps us to deal with the suffering. If we wait for the suffering to end, that before we show gratitude, we lose out in a lot of its benefits. What we want to do as meditators is to remember the first noble truth. Suffering is going to be there. But in spite of the suffering, we find the goodness in the world. And we use that goodness, that process of feeling grateful, to evoke joy. So we can use that energy to make sure our heart still remains open. Our mind still remains expansive. That we can still act in a way that's connected. Because it's so easy to contract the heart when we're in pain. So gratitude is a doorway to keep joy flowing in our lives, even when there's suffering even when there's pain and discontent. And that's something to remember, that gratitude will invoke the generosity and that generosity will connect you with other beings in a way that's authentic and beautiful and caring, even when they're suffering. There is an aspect that I found with gratitude and generosity. Um, and we'll talk about more, actually, we'll talk about more of the shadow side of all of this stuff next week and some of the challenges on uh, in these practices. Well, there's a second part of this. But I wanted to, to remind us about the culture, North American culture. One could say Western culture in a general sense, but definitely North American culture, um, that we are the inheritors of a very individualistic mindset. I think everyone in this room would agree uh, certainly in North America, we have a very strong individualistic attitude and mindset um, in the broadest sense. And we see some of this in the context of uh, the Puritan work ethic and this idea of bootstrapping, meaning you need to work hard to be happy, right? And it's your job to make yourself happy and that you're kind of on your own. You're expected to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and work hard and make a living and raise a family and do all this stuff. But it's very much like you're responsible for it. You need to do this. And it's a very solo endeavor, right? There isn't a lot of celebration of community effort and collective effort. The celebration of the individual is very strong in North American culture. And this has an impact directly on how we learn about gratitude and generosity. And here's where it intersects. And I find this to be really, this has been helpful to me to understand this. Because we look at the world in this culture as a bunch of individuals trying to be successful. When someone works hard, quote unquote, 
they tend to see the goodness that results from their hard work as their own. I've earned this, right? I, I deserve this. I worked hard, right? I worked hard. I worked long hours and now I have certain power or privilege or money or whatever the case may be. So I've earned this goodness by my own hard work. And because of that, it's mine, right? If you want goodness, you can get your own. You can work hard, right? We see this kind of possession and covetousness of the goodness because we feel like we earned it or we're entitled to it or privileged to it, whatever the case may be. And you often hear um, this sort of what I might call a classist slur, which is get a job, right? Right. Get a job. You want to make more money. You just need to get a better job and you'll get the goodness that I have. This idea that goodness is something that is owned by individuals, very much a Western mindset. I worked hard. It's my goodness. Now, here's another thing that we see in North American culture. Because this goodness is mine and I earned it. I don't have to share it with you, but if I do share it with you, you should be very grateful because it's mine and I don't have to share it with you because I earned it. <laughs> I'm entitled to it, right? So there's this I making that happens with the goodness that we have in our life. And then if we do share it, we expect someone to be very, very grateful for us having shared it because after all, we didn't have to do that. They should have got it on their own. So there's this selfishness around goodness in our culture that's the exact opposite of how the Buddha approaches these ideas. And I'll show you the difference in the Dharma and you'll see the stark contrast here. So to pull that together, this bootstrapping, right? This hard work gets goodness, which is mine. I'm ownership of it. This results in a sense of entitlement, right? I've earned this, I'm entitled to it, the goodness is mine. So the Dharma looks at goodness as something that exists as a gift between all beings. It exists in between people, right? It's not a thing that you get to have just for yourself. And here's why. And this will make sense when you think about a lot of the gratitude meditations, the guided meditations that Dharma teachers do. The fact that you have some goodness in your life. Let's say you worked really hard um, to get a good paying job, right? So you really like your job, it has a good, a good wage, and you're very happy for, for what you get. Uh, from a Dharma perspective, the reflection would be that goodness that you're getting is in part from all those people that love and cared for you, all those people that took time to teach you, to help you, to mentor you. That goodness is not just your own. That goodness that allowed you to have some success in your life comes from the fact that you've engaged with other human beings, right? These other human beings have listened and cared and taught and been there for you. And that goodness is a contributing factor. So there is a co-ownership of the goodness that arises in your life. It's not just something you've done. It's something that has been gifted to you, not only by your hard work, but also by the work of others, right? All the goodness in our life comes from the fact that other goodness has been bestowed upon us. Let me give you some examples to make this clear. All of us have been given, so to speak, I'll use the term God-given gifts, and because we're Dhammists, Dharma practitioners, I use the word God loosely here, but we have these God-given gifts, right? And 
that's a blessing. So whatever my gift is, maybe the gift is just health, that I have a certain amount of energy and that energy allowed me to go to school and get a degree and get a job. And I could say, I've earned this, or I can say, wow, it's, I'm so blessed to be in good health that I was given this good health and I was able to, because I had good health, to pursue a particular path. I was gifted with a particular whatever, a skill in playing the guitar or a particular intelligence. Everyone in this room has been gifted certain abilities that have allowed you to then use those abilities to get goodness in your life. But that goodness is shared because it's been given to us as a gift. So what you start to see here is in Dharma, we don't look at ourselves as individuals who are cultivating goodness. We see ourselves as bearers in a chain of goodness that is passed down. If I walk into a meditation center and I think to myself, wow, this is so amazing that I have the ability to meditate here. We can then be grateful for those who built the building, who built the roads that allow us to safely go to the meditation center. We look at the discoveries of electricity and heat, right? The privilege that we have of the money that keeps the heat on. The very moment of being in meditation and having the goodness of a meditation practice was brought to you by an incalculable number of other beings. So you might say to yourself, wow, I had a great meditation and I have been making progress on my path. And yet, when we sit in a Dharma hall, all of that goodness that comes from our hard work as meditators has been brought to us by an incalculable number of beings. People who've built the cities, built the roads, created peace so we can drive and bike and bus safely to the meditation center. We begin to see that our lives are interconnected in such a way that the goodness that we see in our lives, in some sense, always we always sort of pay a tip or a toll or we tip our hat to all of the other beings who have cared for us, loved for us, and provided for us that have allowed for this goodness to arise. That is a very different attitude than thinking, I've accomplished this, I've achieved this, or I deserve this. And it doesn't downplay, I wanna make this clear, I'm not downplaying hard work, right? We still compliment ourselves and feel happy when we achieve something. Maybe we're an athlete, for example, right? Maybe we're an athlete and we win the Super Bowl or win the NBA championship or something. I'm not suggesting that we say, well, that's not your goodness. <laughs> you don't get to celebrate because Someone else built the arena. That is, of course, not what I'm saying. But it is good to remember that we should tip our hats to the interconnection of all beings and understand that this goodness that we call mine is actually, in fact, ours. We can celebrate it, but we do it with a sense of gratitude. So I'm hoping that's clear there, uh, this connection between goodness that I can own and goodness that's celebrated through gratitude, which is very much a Dharma way of looking at the world, this interconnectedness. When you look at the cycle of gratitude and generosity, again, just to highlight this, to the degree that we can cultivate gratitude for the good things in our life is to the degree that we will be interested in sharing with others. And if everyone shares, right, if everyone is grateful and everyone shares, then everybody gets served, right? Everyone gets to dwell in love and compassion. If I vow to be generous, 
that allows other people to have an opportunity to evoke and experience gratitude, which in turn encourages me to be more generous, right? And so similarly, in the Dharma, when we get together in a group like this, we come together and because we all show up, right? Giving our hearts, giving our attention, giving our minds, we have this experience that we call Wednesday wake up. And everyone in this room gets to have a sense of goodness because we've all given of ourselves. We've given our time and our energy and attention. And so every single one of us that walks away from this room has goodness from this evening's experience that has been brought to you by how many people we got sitting in here tonight? The other 18 people, right? So we may walk away from this evening and say, oh, you know, I had this thought when Gregory was talking about generosity and gratitude. And we might not notice in that moment that that thought was a gift because everyone showed up and we created this space. We don't usually see the world in that way, that the goodness is brought to you by other beings. So that's the take home. Goodness is brought to us by other beings. And practicing gratitude increases generosity and vice versa. And it is the foundation of our spiritual practice, big time in the Dharma. Like I said, next week we're going to talk about uh, the challenges of practice, these practices, uh, the shadow side of practice. Um, but I just wanted to give the framework this week. And then we'll do some meditation, like I said, around this. Presence, generosity, gratitude. Thank you so much for coming by, stopping by. We have a couple more weeks before the end of the year. May you spend some time reflecting on the goodness of 2020 in spite of it all. <laughs>